This morning we're going to be talking about the man who loved the world, and we'll be spending a lot of time in Genesis, so if you want to turn in your Bibles there, uh, or open an app on your device, that would be great. There are also Bibles in front of you in the pews. And before we do that, um, I just want us to uh, come together in a quick word of prayer. I want to pray with you from Colossians chapter 4, verse 4. Let's pray. Father, I pray that I may proclaim it, your word, clearly as I should. Amen. Well, this morning we're going to take a look at the life of a man that I'm sure was a follower of God, and yet he was pulled by all the world had to offer. His name was Lot. But this story is not just ancient history, because many people, people who love God, have the same struggles today that that man had. If you love money and possessions and things so much that you can't get along without them, you're going to open yourself up to a lot of suffering, physical, mental, and spiritual. Some people, for example, have taken very foolish risks to keep their stuff. People have died rushing into burning houses to grab their possessions or were killed because they stubbornly resisted armed robbers. Apparently, they felt that without their material possessions, their life would not be worthwhile. Other people, when forced to part with their wealth, have been thrown into despair. For example, in 1975, six armed gunmen broke into the deposit boxes in a London bank and stole valuables worth more than $7 million. One lady whose jewelry was appraised at a half a million sobbed, everything I had was in there. My whole life was in that box. Did you hear that? My whole life was in that box? What a sad commentary on her values. Well, let's look at the Bible and see what it says about Lot. So we're going to be starting in Genesis chapter 11, and I'm going to start reading at verse 27. Now, these are the generations of Terah. Terah fathered Abram. Now, we're going to know him later in Scripture as Abraham. Nahor and Haran, and Haran fathered Lot. So from this verse, we know that Lot is the nephew of Abram or Abraham, and we know that Abraham was the patriarch of the Jewish people. Then in verse 31, we read, Terah took Abram his son, and Lot the son of Haran his grandson, and Sarai, his daughter-in-law, who was Abraham's wife, and they went forth together from Ur of the Chaldeans to go into the land of Canaan, but when they came to Haran, they settled there. So reading this verse, we see that Abraham and Lot went with their extended family from Ur of the Chaldeans to the city of Haran. But we're going to see in Genesis chapter 13 that they didn't stay there. I'm going to read from that chapter to give you an idea of their history. So beginning at verse 1 of chapter 13, we read, So Abram went up from Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had, and Lot with him, into the Negeb. Now Abram was very rich in livestock, in silver and in gold. That's the way that wealth was measured in an agrarian society. It wasn't through Bitcoin or stock or even your, your uh, bank account. And he journeyed, in verse 3, he journeyed from the Negev as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been, to the place where he had made an altar, and there Abram called upon the name of the Lord. Now, why am I taking time this morning to talk about this man, Lot? It's because I believe that Lot is representative of so many people. 
There may be no other Bible character who represents so many people living today as Lot. You might find a few people who were like Abraham or Joshua or David, but in an entire generation you might find a few, but you will find thousands of people like Lot. Let's continue at verse 5. And Lot, who went with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents, so that the land could not support both of them dwelling together. For their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abraham's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. Then skip down to verse 12. Abram settled in the land of Canaan, while Lot settled among the cities of the valley and moved his tent as far as Sodom. That's how they ended up. Uh, being able to have the land support both of their great wealth. Lot started out well, and then he acquired riches, and with his wealth came trouble. Now that doesn't mean that having wealth is trouble, because we know that Abraham had even more wealth, and yet Abraham was a righteous man. Then came the strife among the herdsmen of these two men. Lot himself didn't start the fight with his uncle, but he did ghost his uncle. He left his uncle and he made the greatest mistake of his life in doing so. Lot really wanted the well-watered green plain that we're going to read about as we go back to those previous verses because he thought that it would increase his wealth and because he thought it would be the easiest way to increase his wealth. But instead of asking Abraham to make the choice, which was the honorable thing to do, instead when he looked and saw how much better it was than the other choice, his decision was made. Those moments when he was silently making his choice in his mind, based not on godly character, but on greed, it revealed who Lot really was and what was important to him. So now let's go back to verse 8. Then Abram said to Lot, Let there be no strife between you and me, and between your herdsmen and my herdsmen, for we are kinsmen. Is not the whole land before you? Separate yourself from me. If you take the left hand, I will go to the right. Or if you take the right hand, then I will go to the left. And Lot lifted up his eyes and saw that the valley, the Jordan Valley, was well watered everywhere like the garden of the Lord. So Lot chose for himself all the Jordan Valley. Thus they separated from each other. Abram settled in the land of Canaan, while Lot settled among the cities of the valley and moved his tent as far as Sodom. Lot's choice was a greedy one. It was a selfish choice, and it ended in disaster. Abraham's choice was also based on his character, but his character was far different than Lot's. Because Abraham was the older of the two, he had the indisputable right to have the first choice. Abraham behaved like the high-minded and noble-hearted gentleman that he was, and he allowed his nephew Lot to make the choice. Lot chose the best land for himself, even though he had no right to do so, even though it was clearly selfish, and it showed everyone around him how greedy he really was. And that choice was very influential in the course of his life from that point on. Despite the fact that Lot did love God and that he was a follower of Jehovah, he had a very strong part of his character that was selfish and greedy. Now, you may be thinking after that last statement that I made, wait a minute, Pastor Scott, why do you think that Lot was a righteous man with a bent towards being greedy and not an unrighteous man who was just showing the fruit of his true nature? 
Well, let me read to you from what Peter wrote in the New Testament about Lot. This is 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 7 and 8. And if God rescued righteous Lot, greatly distressed by the sensual conduct of the wicked, for as that righteous man lived among them day after day, he was tormenting his own righteous soul over their lawless deeds that he saw and heard. Those verses very clearly tell us that Lot was a righteous man, a God-fearing man, but a man who made some very unwise decisions and thereby was tormenting his own soul. Let's look at Lot and see how he lived his life. Lot is a perfect example of a man who did not make being godly a goal in his life. Nor was he interested in making a difference in the society that he had become a part of. He just wanted to skate through life with the motto, he who has the most toys wins. Now when we look at Lot, we're going to see him, first of all, as a carnal person. And we need to to, uh, explain what we mean by that, because normally carnal is a word that we say on Sunday and not Monday through Saturday, right? So what do I mean when I say that? Being carnal means living life our way instead of God's way. We choose the easy way or the more pleasurable way instead of the right way. Let me give you an illustration of being able to walk a straight line. In 2009, Dr. Jan Soman took a group of people out into some empty parking lots and into some open fields, and he blindfolded them and then told them to walk in a straight line. Some of the people were able to walk for 10 or 20 or sometimes even 50 paces in a straight line, but inevitably every one of them either went to the right or to the left and ended up circling back to the place they started. Not just a few people, but every single one of them. Dr. Soman said they don't even have any idea. They were thinking that they were walking in a straight line all the time. His research team explored every possible uh, reason for this. Perhaps the people turned to the left because they were left-handed. That wasn't the case. We, probably none of us, have ever asked somebody to blindfold us in a parking lot and then tried to walk in a straight line. But how many of us have been in a swimming pool and decided, I'm going to swim from this side to that side, and we close our eyes because we don't want the chlorine in our eyes, or maybe you're in a lake and you don't want the lake water in your eyes, what happens? After you've been swimming for a little bit, you stop, you lift up your head, and you're nowhere near where you thought you should be. That's also true when you're driving a car, but I don't want any of you to go home this afternoon and try that. Lot made carnal choices. Let's look at verse 10. And Lot lifted up his eyes and saw that the Jordan Valley was well watered everywhere like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt in the direction of Zoar. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. His decision was made on what he saw. He didn't seek God's wisdom. He didn't even ask his uncle Abraham, a very godly man, for advice. He chose the easy and pleasurable place. When a person chooses to please themselves, they are making a choice that will be destructive in the long run. Not only did Lot make carnal choices, but Lot's convictions were also carnal. And we're going to read that in verse 11. So Lot chose for himself all the Jordan Valley, and Lot journeyed east. 
Thus they separated from each other. Now early on in Lot's experience with Sodom, he saw its wickedness, and he even had the opportunity to reject it and get his family out of there. But he chose what would bring him wealth, regardless of the consequences. When we look at Lot, we see him also as a captured prisoner. Uh, In Genesis chapter 14, we're going to see that. His choices got him into a lot of trouble. Let me summarize the first 11 verses of this chapter. There is a, a big war that is taking place between eight kings and kingdoms. It wasn't eight different sides, though. It was two sides with four kingdoms represented on each side. And on one of those sides was the king of Sodom representing his city. Now that city happened to be, or that side was the the losing side, and as part of the plunder, as part of the spoils, Lot was taken. And we read that in verse 12. They also took Lot, the the son of Abram's brother, who was dwelling in Sodom, and his possessions, and then they went their way. So first we saw Lot looking in the direction of Sodom. Then he pitched his tent towards Sodom so that he could see what was going on there. And then the next thing we know is that he's moved into the city. When you look long enough and you are interested in what you see, you will eventually become a part of it. We read that Lot was taken prisoner, and he went, when he went to Sodom, he was captured. After he left Abraham, he got into trouble. Everything in Sodom should have been avoided by Lot. A child of God should never accept any part of the lifestyle of the world. It will bring trouble to any who accept it. And all of Lot's problems came to him because he was in the wrong place and for the wrong reason. As long as he was with his uncle Abraham, he was doing well. Now let me give you some simple advice based on that. If you're not very spiritual, maybe you haven't been a Christian all that long, Hang around people that have been Christians for a longer time and are more mature in their faith, and hopefully their character will rub off on you. How do you suppose Lot's life would have turned out if he had stayed with Abraham, or at least had made a wise choice about where he spent his life? When we look at Lot, we also see him as a careless parent. In uh, Let me summarize Genesis 19, verses 1 through 13. There were two angels that came to the city of Sodom. Uh, They didn't come appearing as angels. They came disguised as men. And when Lot saw them, he greeted them and he invited them to stay at his house. He didn't know they were angels. They declined and said, no, we'll just sleep in the town square. Lot knew that was a very unwise thing to do because of what happened in the town square at night. And so he persuaded them to stay with him. So when they came to his house, but before they went to sleep, the men of Sodom, all of them were told, both young and old, surrounded the house and told Lot, bring the men in your house out to us so that we can have sex with them. Lot told them that they were acting wickedly and begged them to go away, and he even offered them his daughters as a substitute. The men of Sodom wanted the men, not Lot's daughters, and they threatened to break the door down. But the angels, they reached through the door and grabbed Lot and bring him back in. They closed the door and lock it, and then they miraculously caused all of those men to go blind and were told that they uh, wearied themselves trying to find the door. Then the angels told Lot to get his entire family out of the city of Sodom because they're going to destroy the entire city 
because the wickedness of the people was so great before the Lord, and God had sent these angels to destroy it. So picking up in chapter 19, verse 14, Lot then goes out and says to his sons-in-law, who were to marry his daughters, so they're not yet married, but now just pausing there for a moment, where did he go? He went out where the men were, so that means that his future sons-in-laws were part of that group of men who had been trying to break down the door. He says to them, up, get out of this place, for the Lord is about to destroy the city. But he seemed to his sons-in-law to be jesting. It's too late to rescue his extended family now. They had made their choice to follow the lifestyle of those around them, and that was careless parenting. I've seen this happen, and you've seen it too. A family may come to church and sort of stays on the outer fringe of the Christian life, never really getting into living for or serving God. And all the while, the children are observing this, and they are developing attitudes and lifestyles of worldliness because there's not a lot of godly example in their home. After a few years, the family drops out from church life totally because they're not really interested in the things of God or the Christian life. And then their children grow up and seldom, if ever, get back into following God. I doubt if Lot even considered his future family and what would be best for them when he moved to Sodom. Remember, when he moved into the city, he wasn't married. He was a single man. So where did he find his wife? He found her in that city, an ungodly person. Now we know that Lot chose where he lived because it looked nice. I'm guessing he made his choice on who to marry based on that same reasoning. She looked nice. He didn't look at her character. And the end result of that marriage is easy to trace. Looking at chapter 19, beginning at verse 16, it says, But Lot lingered there. This is after he's been warned to get out of the city. So the men, slash angels, they seized him and his wife and his two daughters by the hand, the Lord being merciful to him. And they brought him out and set him outside the city. And as they brought them out, one said, Escape for your life. Do not look back or stop anywhere in the valley. Escape to the hills, lest you be swept away. And then down in verse 26, But Lot's wife behind him looked back, and she became a pillar of salt. The children all turned out after their wicked culture that they grew up in. And his wife turned into a pillar of salt when she turned back to see the city that she loved. Down in verse 30, Now Lot went up out of Zoar and lived in the hills with his two daughters, for he was afraid to live in Zoar, probably thinking that that was the next place to be destroyed. And so he lived in a cave with his two daughters. And the firstborn said to the younger, Our father is old, and there is not a man on earth to come in to us after the manner of all the earth. Come, let us make our father drink wine, and we will lie with him that we may preserve offspring from our father." Now, where do you think the two daughters got the idea for incest with their father? It was from the place where they had been raised. There's a heavy price to pay when a family ignores the teachings of God. Husbands and fathers, moms and dads, Lot is a prime example of that. Our choices do have consequences. Are you aware that many regular attenders of churches today will fit this same scenario? 
church doesn't really mean that much to them. They hit and miss in being part of a church. And serving God is completely absent in their life. The least little thing can draw them away from God. And we can sum up Lot's life in this sentence. A saved soul, but a wasted life. What a shame. Well, let's see why his life was wasted. First of all, he made wrong choices. A person's choices determines where they will live, how they will live, and who they will live with. You better make sure that these three choices are made according to God's Word. Lot made all the wrong choices in these three matters and consequently had a miserable and wasted life. Lot chose the wrong land, first of all. Back in chapter 13, starting at verse 11. So Lot chose for himself all the Jordan Valley, and Lot journeyed east. Thus they separated from each other. Abram settled in the land of Canaan, while Lot settled among the cities of the valley, and moved his tent as far as Sodom. There was a a time, not long after Lot moved into Sodom, that he saw what was going on in that culture, and he chose to stay. He made his choice based on the wealth possibilities and an entertaining lifestyle. And that was a big mistake. He should have sought Abraham's counsel on that decision. Lot was in no spiritual condition to make such a decision. He had probably just been living on Abraham's spiritual coattails. Look for your answer in the Bible and go to Scripture for an answer. Let me just take a little rabbit trail here. If you are ever faced with a choice of moving to a new community... Look for a good church before you make your final decision to move or to accept that new job. Don't make the move and then find out that there aren't any good churches in the area. Don't make that mistake. It's better to work in a lower-paying job and be a part of a good church than to have a big salary and put yourself in a situation where it's easy to stray from God. Another wrong choice that Lot made was that he held the wrong hand. Do you remember when it was time to get out of the city and the angels grabbed him by the hand and dragged him out? Genesis 13, 13. Now the men of Sodom were wicked, great sinners against the Lord. As soon as he saw that condition, he should have left. That should have scared Lot off, but it didn't. It only got worse. He metaphorically decided he was going to hold hands with that culture. Then down in verse uh, 7 of chapter 19. And Lot said, I beg you, my brothers, do not act so wickedly. When he made this first statement, he realized how wicked it was, but it was too late to save his family because they had already established roots, and now it was difficult to leave. He was making a good living, and he was considered one of the town's elder statesmen. He thought people looked up to him. These are some decisions you make that are hard to reverse. The hand that had led him away from evil into safety was the hand of the angel. Another wrong choice is that Lot hooked up with the wrong man or men. Chapter 19, verse 8. Behold, I have two daughters who have not known any man. Let me bring them out to you and do to them as you please. Only do nothing to these men, for they have come under the shelter of my roof. The residents were storming Lot's house, demanding that the two angels that they thought were men be brought out so that they could have same-sex activity with them. Then Lot offers his own daughters instead. What? How could you 
even imagine that. I wonder how far America is away from that kind of decision making by a person who is supposedly a godly person. The worldly influence had so infected Lot's mind that he thought offering his virgin daughters was a solution to the sin of sodomy. That's what happens when a Christian gets deeply involved with the wrong people. When a Christian spends all his time with people who don't love God, sin loses its severity in his mind. Lot didn't think about the wickedness of Sodom when he was in the plains of Jordan and looking in. He thought it looked like a great place. He didn't go there because he was seeking that kind of lifestyle. He went because it looked good to him. But the lifestyle rubbed off on him. He wasn't aware that his first foolish decision would lead to a second, and so on and so on. By this time in his life, we can see that he had made many foolish mistakes. Lot wasted his life by marrying a woman who didn't love God. He chose a a woman from Sodom. Lot's wife was not a helper to him. One of the most important decisions that you will ever make, aside from choosing to follow God, is who you choose to marry. I know that's true in my own life. My wife helps me make wise choices, and her example of how she lives her life as a godly woman spurs me on to loving good deeds. But Lot had no standards for himself, and Their children that they had had no godly influence from either one of them. A godly mother or father would have made a real difference in that home. So why was she left? Why was the wife left? Genesis chapter 19 verse 17 says, And they brought them out, and one said, Escape for your life. Do not look back or stop anywhere in the valley. Escape to the hills, lest you be swept away. And then in verse 26, we see that she does look back. She looked behind her, and she became a pillar of salt. She wouldn't listen to the command of the angel to follow her husband. As weak and as sorry as he was, if she had followed him, she would have followed him to safety. But she was reluctant from the beginning about leaving Sodom, otherwise she wouldn't have looked back. That was her home, and she didn't want to leave. It was what was comfortable to her. Lot had taken her with him and their two unmarried daughters, and they were on the road to safety. All she had to do was just to keep going. But she loved what was behind more than she loved her family. Where she was looking, we see this again in verse 26. She looked back and she became a pillar of salt. She was more intrigued or concerned with the sin behind than with the deliverance that was in front. That's a wise warning for each of us to keep our eyes in front. Keep walking toward the Lord Jesus Christ. When you look at the world, what you should have left behind, your life will turn into something of no value, like a a pile of salt. Now, what does this look like? Now, obviously, I'm not talking about what does a pile of salt look like. We all know that. I was referring to keeping your eyes forward towards Jesus. What does that look like? How do we accomplish that? We do so by spending time each day in God's Word and in prayer as a priority more than on social media and entertainment. What was she leaving? Lot and his wife were leaving two different things. Lot had decided by that point that he was leaving the sin of the city because the angel of the Lord had told him to do that. But his wife was leaving what she loved and what she enjoyed. When there are two different incentives in a family, 
then the family is going to be divided. And it's sad how this entire family followed the influence of the ungodly mother. That tells us how weak Lot was. Husbands and fathers, you need to be the leader, the spiritual leader of your family in a godly and loving way, using servant leadership. Too often when the family is divided, the children will choose the wrong side simply because it's easier. Even the daughters that followed Lot out had the lifestyle that they had seen and learned in that wicked place. What was the wife longing for? She had a longing for what she had been told to leave. She had a longing for what was wrong for any God-fearing person to desire. Remember this, when a person walks forward and looks back, they are walking blindly and that can only bring disaster. Think about it. We've all seen a guy walking down a street and a pretty girl walks by and he starts looking at her while he's continuing to walk forward and the next thing you know, he's walked into a light pole. No one will ever conquer what is in front of them while looking back. As a matter of fact, what is behind will overtake. We're told by Jesus in Luke 9.62, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. We also see that Lot wasted his life and ended up raising wicked children. This is shown in three ways. The first is that Lot's children embraced the viewpoints of Sodom. Remember what we read in 1914, that when Lot went out and said to his future sons-in-law, get out of this place for the Lord is about to destroy the city, and they thought he was joking. This is such a sad story. I can imagine how Lot must have pleaded with his daughters and their future husbands to come and follow him to safety, and they laughed at him. Remember, he was an elder statesman in that city. He probably thought people looked up to him, and instead he's finding out that they're laughing at him. Can you imagine the hurt and the pain in his heart? His own flesh and blood had turned away from him and embraced the sinful community that they had been raised in, the place that he had chosen to raise a family. Lot's children exemplified the vices of Sodom. You can't raise a child surrounded by the influence of wickedness without those influences being induced in their lives and in your home. There will be a different attitude towards sin because of how they were raised. Parents, we have to be very particular about what our children see in our homes and in our lives as being important. What they see as value, that will influence them, whether it's right or wrong. Then the third thing is we see Lot's children experienced the vanity of that wicked place. They profited nothing from Sodom. All of them died in sin and in vanity. And what about your life? Would yours be described as a saved soul but a wasted life? I hope not. It doesn't have to be that. You can make a change and make your life count. Count first of all in your family and in service to God. The way to do that is to let the Bible be your guide and to fall in love with God and not the things of this world. Decide that the Bible is going to direct every aspect of your life. Let me give you an example of how making the right thing your guiding point makes all the difference. There's a story of a captain of a ship and he's out at sea and he sees in the distance some lights. And so he asks one of the men on his boat to send a message saying, alter your course 10 degrees south. 
And a few moments later, the reply comes back, you alter your course 10 degrees to the north. Well, the captain was furious about this, and so he sends back another message and says, alter your course 10 degrees to the south, I am a captain. And after a moment, the reply came back, alter your course 10 degrees to the north, I am Seaman Third Class Jones. Well, you can imagine how that made this captain feel, and he sends back one more indignant message, alter 10 degrees to the south, I am a battleship. And the reply comes back, you alter 10 degrees north, I am a lighthouse. Don't waste your time and efforts trying to tell God to alter His course. You'll spend the rest of your life following a path that leads to destruction and disappointment and discouragement and failure. Truth does not change. Our efforts can't change anything without the favor of God. Unless God blesses what we do, then what we do will be in vain. Psalm 127.1 says, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it, build it in vain. It may be time to wake up and get busy to do what you know you should be doing, which is making the Bible God's Word and making God the directing point of your life. Don't be like Lot, who is somebody who was a follower of Jesus but wasted his life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that we would follow this example but follow the example of Abraham. I imagine there are going to be some interesting conversations in heaven with a man named Lot who most assuredly is already in your presence. And yet he had so many opportunities and wasted them here on earth. I pray that none of us would make those same decisions or if we have started making them, that we will alter our course. God, we want to honor you with our lives, with the decisions we make and the things that we do, with the people that we hang out with. I pray that you give us the strength day by day to do just that. In Jesus' name, amen.